Well, hello and welcome to the Biz Coach Show, hosted by My Biz Coaches and presented by the TLG Group. Your hosts today are Eric Whitmoyer. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent, David. Thank you. Awesome. And uh, Dave Macon, that's me. And uh, every once in a while on our show, we like to just kind of change things up a little bit. And occasionally we'll get questions uh, through our online community, whether that's social media or people that connect to us uh, through our websites um, or even just clients that we're working with. Or we'll see a pattern of questions. And so we like to take uh, an episode or two of our show and make sure that uh, we answer some of those questions because we find that, generally speaking, our audience has the same questions. And so it gives us a chance to kind of speak to those things directly. So we're going to answer a few questions here today that uh, we've had come up recently. And uh, the first one, I think, is something that anybody can relate to, especially if you're a small business owner, entrepreneur, and uh, you're trying to get a lot of stuff done and you're struggling to manage your time. And so we're going to start with maybe some tips for uh, managing time. And Eric, I know this is something that you're passionate about and uh, actually have a lot of experience with. And so uh, I'd love to maybe get your thoughts on it and then I can uh, maybe add some thoughts as well. Absolutely. And I'm sure you can, David. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll start with, um, yeah. So, so let me start with this. I think this is super important for people to understand. Before you start focusing on managing your time more effectively or recognizing where the gaps in managing your time could be, you need to make sure that you're, that you actually are clear on what your goals are, um, whether that's a your business plan or your objectives at work or what whatever that is. And and um, I mean, time management isn't just about uh, managing your personal time versus your work time or whatever. It's it's all inclusive anymore today. The way you know the way that we are, particularly people that work from home, and certainly for business owners, right? Um, but that affects everybody in the same way, in the sense that you have to carve out time for everything which means you need to allocate that appropriately. And the way that you do that is by being super clear on what your goals are. When you're very clear on what your goals are, then you can prioritize accordingly and allocate appropriate time for those particular goals. That makes a huge difference because what typically happens, things that are super important to you kind of get pushed to the wayside, right? Because it's, it's important to you, it may not necessarily be important to the family, it may not necessarily be important to, um, and there's a whole talk track for that too, by the way, but um, it may not be as important to, uh, uh, you know, other people in your life. It may not be as important if you have a, a full-time job and you're trying to create a side gig to build up and, and, and create your own business, whatever that scenario might be, there's other things that are also pulling for your time and attention. And so if you're not clear on what's most important, you can't prioritize effectively, and that's going to affect your ability to, to really manage your time more effectively. Um, yeah. I've also, you know, and that's, that's probably a super high level start, but when you're clear on your goals, it's easier to prioritize and then you can actually allocate accordingly. Those are really important. Yeah, no, I, I think you're spot on. And, and it's funny when I, when I do presentations on this or do any training on it, that's one of the things I'll, I'll usually say is everybody talks about time management, but really what they're talking about is priority management, right? You're not going to create right additional time in your day right there's no time machine there's no you know uh time stone for the marvel fans where you can adjust time so it's just <laughs> like we all have the same hours but what what allows you to manage your time more effectively is by aligning what you're doing to the goals that you have so i think yeah you, you definitely hit the nail on the head and i think just one other thing i'd add is um you know there, there's no kind of silver bullet for time management, at least in my mm -hmm. experience, and, and you may feel differently, but there's no kind of one size fits all approach. There's lots of strategies, there's specific tactics, 
that that work well and everybody needs to have a baseline understanding of but you know what works well for me may not work well for you or for somebody else some people work really well with you know physical planners and paper and other people it's got to be all digital and some like a, a bit of both and you know one program or one planner or one journal right it, it it's all over the board so i think it's just important to understand what are the core concepts that help people manage their time and priorities more effectively and then find a way to exercise those tactics in a way that works for you. But you have to understand yourself. And, and if you're struggling with that, that's where, you know, working with a coach, somebody that could come alongside you and says, hey, I'm noticing this, this and this. Why don't we try this or let's try structuring our day this way or let's try this tool to help you manage your time because um, you really need to know yourself to be able to adopt those strategies that are going to work best for you and the goals that you have. Absolutely. And I, and I would add, in addition to that, when you're talking about the prioritization, you know, you mentioned, and you literally said, you said it fast is at the end of the day, it's not time management, it's time prioritization, right? It's getting yeah. the stuff that's most important done first. So you can, if for lack of a better term, check it off the list, if that's the kind of person that you are, but the most important thing is the most important things, sorry, are getting done first. Um, so that the rest of the stuff filters in. Uh, and that actually brings up, you, you know, my, my favorite, uh, um, the, uh, um, shoot, just uh, the Eisenhower principle, yeah. which, uh, which uh, was later popularized by the Covey, which is yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the time management quadrant. But, um, you know, uh, Eisenhower's quote was, um, I have two kinds of problems, the urgent and the important, the urgent are not important, the important are never urgent. And so it literally just kind of speaks to that whole idea. If I put the most important things first, they're not typically urgent. They're not going to command my immediate time right now, but it's super important to move my goals forward. It's super yeah. important to move my career forward. It's super important for my, uh, to maintain my relationship with my family, whatever it is, those are super important things. If those are that important to you, then you put them in the calendar first. Yeah. Um, you make sure that they get done. And as you know, I've been a, a, an avid um, uh, person about getting up early, you know, getting up early, get your day started early. Um, you know, I don't necessarily prescribe to 3 a.m. Although, although once in a while, that's probably where I find myself. But um, the, uh, you know, getting up early and getting those things done before you're distracted by everything else that's going on in the world, particularly your world, allows you to get the most important things done and out of the way before everything else just kind of you know, takes control and the urgent C of everything going on comes out and really kind of takes over. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think you're spot on there for sure. Yeah. So, so there's a couple of things that, you know, I do my time management presentation that prioritization is the very first thing on my list. Planning and scheduling is the second one. If you plan things, they typically get done. So one of the things I used to encourage everybody was, is if you've you got a list of things that need to get done, put them in your calendar. Yeah. Well, you know, just literally block out the time and put it in your calendar, 30 minutes, 60 minute increments, whatever it is, and block that time out to do those things. Um, you know, make sure that you're organizing yourself ahead of time. That's another big thing about time management that people tend to forget. If you plan to do it and in, in advance the day before, the week before, the month before, whatever, again, you're plugging into the calendar before things kind of take place and mess stuff up. It also allows you to, uh, theoretically, it allows you to catch conflicts before they come up. Yeah. Right. If, right. If, if yeah. it's if it's the holidays, you know, you're not trying to plan a whole bunch of stuff around the 25th of December, uh, assuming Christmas time. Right. And uh, and and trying to put too much uh, maybe work in during a time where you really need to be focused on the family or whatever the case may be. Right. And that creates all kinds of conflict. 
yeah. uh, not just with the work you're trying to do, but other stuff. And then um, learning how to leverage others. And I hate using the word leverage, but just like using other people's money, you also use other people's time. And if you're in a leadership role and you have a team to, that, that reports to you, you have the ability to extend those responsibilities. And one of the most important things about being an effective time manager in a leadership role is being able to effectively delegate. Yeah. And what I find a lot of small business owners struggle immensely with the ability to delegate. For sure. It's like it's, it, you fall into that trap of uh, it's got to be done right. I got to do it myself kind of thing. Yeah. And the ones that are able to scale and grow their business are the ones that learn how to delegate effectively. Yeah. And then the last two are you got to follow up. When you, when you do delegate something to somebody, you need to follow up with those people and make sure that they're doing what they need to do. And there's a whole process to, to develop that. And then the last thing is just, like I said before, um, I mentioned it brief, briefly, but it's, it's, it's common challenges. If you already know that things are going to come up and distract you, then schedule accordingly. Yeah. Right. Right. If you know there's going to be things that are going to pull on your time, schedule accordingly, get your stuff done early, whatever. But yeah, you know, for instance, for years trying to work out and, and I'm traveling all the time, I just had to get up at 4.30 in the morning and work out from, from 5 to 5.30 or 5.45 or whatever it was to get my workout in every day. Because if I didn't, there was no way in the world after working a 12-hour day, I'm going to come back to the hotel or yeah. whatever and, and put in a workout. It just ain't happening. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's key things that I would encourage people to consider when they're talking about time management. Sorry. No, no, you're great. Yeah. I'll, I'll add one more and then we can jump to our, uh, our next question. But one, one of the things I've, I've noticed more and more as I've been working with companies trying to help them kind of simplify and systematize, which is uh, something we'll be talking about, kind of a fun pivot here in an upcoming episode. But uh, one of the things I'm finding is uh, the, the concept of task batching is kind of unfamiliar to a lot of yeah. entrepreneurs. And, and that's something that I find really helps is first kind of the time blocking that you're talking about building those things in your calendar, but then grouping similar tasks together. And that allows you to get into kind of that better uh, deep flow of work instead of, you know, going from this software to this software to this software that creates, you know, breaks in your focus, breaks in your concentration versus, hey, these are all similar tasks, maybe in the same software, the same skill set or the same type of focus, you know, creative work versus not creative work and doing those things at the same time allows you to work through those more quickly and more efficiently than if you try to separate them out. So that's something that, uh, that I'll work with people on is trying to better understand that concept and analyze kind of those workflows in their business and how they can, you know, make it more efficient. Yeah, that's a great ad. And David, one thing I would just add to that then would be the fact that the uh, not trying to get the last word in, but um, <laughs> your point as you're talking, as you said, software, the first thing I thought of was AI. Yeah, right. We've talked about this multiple times. We have this. It's going to be a big component of our event coming up that we're going to talk about. And the, the reality is, at the end of the day, most business owners, particularly small business owners that don't have the resources or don't necessarily have the time, that would be a resource, obviously, but um, to invest in understanding the, the, the software that's available out there. And I'm specifically talking about artificial intelligence software that you can leverage, huge opportunity to save time. We, you just have to make the initial investment to yeah. understand how to use it and how to employ it. And then once you do, once you've done that, then the investment pays big dividends. Yeah, absolutely. No, very, very well said. And I'll, I'll let you have the last word. So <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, let's jump to our, our second question here. Uh, and this is something I think everybody can relate to as well. 
is, uh, you know, they wrote in saying they're struggling to find good employees and what am I doing wrong? And I think that's, a, that's a, you know, you may or may not be doing something wrong. Maybe I'll start with. That's just going to say, that's exactly right. Way. Yeah. Sometimes there's just bad employees and you're just seeming to find them. So it may not be you, but any, any thoughts to start us off on that one, Eric? Yeah. And I know we briefly covered this when we talked about the uh, great resignation uh, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks back. And I you know one of the things that I help uh, employers understand, if you are not, well, let, let me quantify this. If we're talking about finding good employees versus um, keeping good employees, right? Yeah. You need to quantify the difference, right? Because and, and I think there's a, a differentiating factor there, but if it's finding good employees, really it comes down to it i would say it's no different than than trying to find a good accountant lawyer or anything else like that you know it's like it, your best option is to get a good referral yeah um because if you do the traditional and especially right now the way the market is today if you're going the traditional route of running ads and looking for uh candidates i i know that um david one of your clients is you know trying to look for an accountant right now uh, and yeah. and you know as they're going through that process um, and it's an in-house accountant, right, for the company. And as they're going through the process, one of the challenges with that is the fact that the um, uh, you're you're competing against everybody else out there that's looking for the same quality of talent. And if you don't have a competitive advantage, if you don't know what your market dominating position is in the workplace, right, not just from a marketing from a sales perspective, right, to generate product sales, but or service sales, but also when it comes to why people should work for you, you're going to lose. You're going to lose out to somebody who's bigger, better, faster, stronger, whatever. And, you know, it's um, when we went through this process a couple of years ago, um, you know, one of the challenges that we struggled with, there was a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of, I'm going to say younger people, right. The millennials and, and uh, not to pick on them, but to acknowledge that there's, that's who's in the workplace. Right. And um, they're taking up more and more. I think you're the one that shared that statistic. Yep. Right. That they should they, they represent more and more of the workplace at this point. And a big challenge is what's in it for them. Yeah. Right. When they, and literally this is old school, but, you know, W.I.F.M. Right. What's in it for me? Yeah. Um, that's what an employee is looking for. And if you as an employer aren't doing a good job of conveying that messaging, you're not going to get those new candidates. You're not going to get the top of the, the top of the line best employees. Um, and they're going to go to the, you know, the cool companies that have the break rooms with, you know, foosball tables and whatever else is really cool to do and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's a, you know, that's a, that's a thing that, that, that a lot of the people in the workplace are looking for. They're looking for a hybrid work environment. They're looking for those types of things. So anyway, uh, not to get off of a complete tangent, but the point is, is that in that scenario, these people are looking for something unique that makes uh, that, you know, that brings value to them. And if you're just an employer thinking old school mentality, well, I pay you and you should do what I ask you to do. Well, that's that 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 ideology is long gone in the world and the, in the right. workforce today. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, now, again, just to flip that real quick, if it's not recruiting new talent, but actually retaining existing talent, it's a similar answer. But what are you doing? Right. Yeah. What are you doing to encourage and, and, and excite your employees? Uh, again, if it's if you have that old ideology, I pay you, you should be happy to have a job. Well, guess what? A lot of people don't have jobs and they're okay with that because they're finding side gigs and side hustles and they're finding ways to make money. And I, I can't tell you the last time I literally got, I can't tell you the last time I got into an Uber and didn't have a conversation with the driver that they didn't tell me they loved driving for Uber. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, now, if if I had said that five years ago, that would probably have been different. It was like this. I'm just doing this until something else comes along. Yeah. Now I'm getting into an Uber and having a conversation. With people are like, no, no, I love this. Nobody tell me what to do. Get to work yeah. when I want to. Right. I mean, whatever rationale that they have, the reality is people are finding things that they're happy to be doing outside of working in an office or corporate environment. So as an employer, again, I have to ask you, what are you doing to retain that quality talent? And what are you doing to to really encourage them to give their best? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I, I think you're spot on. I, I think how attractive are you as an employer and how well do you message that is, is really important. So I think totally agree with you on that. And, and I think, you know, for me, the quality of your employees is directly related to the quality of your hiring process, right? And so if you don't have a solid hiring process, if you don't Absolutely. have, you know, interview guides and, you know, um, all, all sorts of different things that, you know, we would advise you to set up is, is you're going to have kind of this, you know, uh, shotgun approach to hiring where you're going to just bring people on and they may or may not be a fit. And then it's too late because you've already hired them. So um, I think it's really important to really analyze your process. Um, you know, it should be you know, difficult for at least the, the first three quarters of it, you know, to, to get through the hiring process. I mean, you should be really scrutinizing people, finding reasons not to hire, you know, all those sorts of things. And really that last quarter, and I think sometimes employees miss this or employers miss this, is um, there's a point where then you have to kind of shift that a little bit. You've identified this is a top caliber person, and now you need to kind of woo them over to, to mm -hmm. work for you, right? Great because, point. yeah, if they're looking at different offers and they're, top tier, then chances are, you know, they've got some other offers. So how well are you, you know, positioning yourself to recruit them to your company? So I think that's uh, really important. And, and Eric, I know something you and I are big advocates of is leveraging the good employees already in your business for referrals, right? I mean, that's, Absolutely. that should be your, your go-to spot and, and have a, you know, referral program in place where if, you know, somebody that you've had in your business a long time, they're a great fit for your culture, they work hard, you know, they're, they're sharp, um, you don't have to micromanage them. If they know other people, they're probably similar in their work style. Maybe not exact, maybe right. not quite as good, but they're going to be at least better than, you know, somebody you've never talked to before. Just somebody came and applied off the street, right? So leveraging those referrals. Uh, and then now the person that referred them, they've got a vested interest in it, whether that's financially yeah. or reputation. And so they're going to take them under their wing and that's going to lead to a better onboarding process. So, um, yeah, I'm sure we can go on and on about this, but those are what I kind of look for is, you know, referrals, the quality of the hiring and how well are we attracting people, especially that last 25% of the interview process. Um, we got to put our salesmanship hat on there. Yeah, I, I will tell you that, David, that, uh, uh, one the last thing I'd want to say on this specifically is I was good at interviewing, terrible at about hiring. Yeah, um, <laughs> I had a, I had a, Early in my career, I was really good at interviewing, terrible about the hire practice because I am by nature, my personality is I'm pulling for the underdog. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge is it's my human nature. I cannot uh, build into my nature. Sorry, but I cannot seem to shake that. I always want to give the underdog the opportunity and two people side by side, the proven experienced person versus the young, uh, ambitious person that lacks some of the skills, but has all the drive in the world. And I literally, one of the things that I coined in my interviews in my early days, I'm going to say my early thirties, mid thirties, probably was, um, you know, I can't teach drive and ambition. I can't teach you to drag your butt out of bed every day. Uh, but if you can show up 
if you can give me the drive and ambition, I'll teach you all the tools to be successful to make you, you know, a hundred thousand a year or whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. And um, I believe that wholeheartedly, you know, the entire 20 some odd years I was in the wireless industry. I, whole, I wholeheartedly believe that the challenge was that I didn't have a good vetting process until the back half of my career, which we created in our last employer. And during that time, that was a, that was a big piece. It really made a big difference. And it, we made it harder for people to, to get into our, you know, our, our hiring process, right? Not yeah. just get into the hiring process, but more specifically to get through the hiring process to your point earlier. Um, and then it was kind of like, it, it, then it was a game changer, right? Because now mm-hmm. you take that ambitious person and you make them do a few things that really kind of challenge them beyond their, what, what another company might do. And it was like, Ooh, well, I want to know more about this now. Yeah. This is, this is interesting. Why, well, you know, some people had a negative attitude. They're like, why are they making me read this chapter of a book? And they're not even giving me the book. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's part of the interview. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I will tell you that when, when I changed my attitude towards that, it changed everything about the, our, our interviewing and, and more specifically our recruiting and hiring process, because now yeah. all of a sudden it was a privilege to work for us and we treated it like a privilege. Yeah. Uh, and w- when we did that, it was a game changer. Then it wasn't hard to find people, but it does take time. Uh, it takes, uh, it takes um, effort to kind of create that process to your point earlier. And more specifically, it takes discipline to stick to it, even when you're running shorthanded and you feel like you need to make that need your decision to hire somebody to fill the gap. Yeah. Um, when you stick to it, you're able to, to, to really make it pay dividends long-term. Yeah, no, it's spot on. Yeah, it, uh, it reminded me, I was working with a group of managers last week and one of the things I was teaching them, and I think it's equally, equally applicable to, you know, a small business owner, entrepreneur is to be good with the people portion of your business, right? You've got to be exceptional at hiring or exceptional at coaching and ideally both. And so if your yeah. hiring process isn't great, then you better be awesome at developing people because you're bringing people in that maybe aren't amazing, you know, right out of the gate. But if you're great at developing and coaching, then you'll get them to where they need to be. If you're not such a good people developer and you know that's not a strength of yours, then really refine your hiring process to get people that are already at the level you need them to be. So you don't have to spend as much time coaching them. But ideally, right, I think what you and I have learned, Eric, is when you get both of those things, if you're great at hiring and you're great at developing people, really the, the sky's the limit. I mean, you, you've got both of the people pieces in place that you can grow and scale really rapidly because you've got the infrastructure in place to do it and the people that are going to help you get there. Absolutely. So cool. Okay. Well, let's jump to our next one. And uh, yeah, this is, this was an interesting one. I'd love to know the context behind this question, but uh, how should I approach working with an attorney? So uh, Eric, I know you've got some uh, good experience with this, and uh, good and bad. Good and bad. I wasn't going to go there, but you know, you said, it, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and bad for multiple reasons too. Not yeah. always bad for me. <laughs> uh, no, so yeah, a great question. Um, honestly, it's ironic. As you know, one of the one of the goals at my biz coaches is we not just provide the coaching, but we also provide the professional um, introductions to key power partners within organizations that you may, may, particularly smaller businesses don't, you don't have an attorney on, 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 uh, in your Rolodex, you know, on, 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 on retainer, Uh, you likely the first time you have to get a lawyer, the the first time, sorry, likely the, when you go to get a lawyer, it's usually the first time and, or at least first time for that particular reason. And going through that process can be super challenging. 
but uh, yeah, I would I would mention that the the first and foremost is that um, just like we mentioned with interviewing employees, you need to interview <laughs> your lawyers. Yeah. Uh, there are uh, like any good like any category of business or any category of service provider out there. There are good and bad, and I'm going to tell you 100% is the 80-20 principle. You, you are going to have to do five interviews to find one good corporate lawyer, business lawyer that you want to work with. Uh, and even then, the challenge is if you have an HR issue that you're dealing with, that's not necessarily the same lawyer that's going to help you with your, your contracting or your uh, document preparation or your uh, if you're creating you know legal documents or contracts or whatever if you're doing um, uh, uh, your HR lawyer can help you with your your employee legal documents and stuff like that but um, if you're um, acquiring a business that's another good one that that's a whole different strategy of lawyer or concept of a lawyer that you want so my point being is that you really one you need to identify specifically what what the need of the of your particular lawyer is and then you got to interview now you would say, okay, well, that's great, Eric, except I have no idea what questions to ask. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's a valid point. Uh, and I will tell you from experience, what I learned is, um, you know, in our culture, there's a tendency to take people in roles like accountants, lawyers. Uh, and for those of you who are accountants and lawyers, and this rubs you, I apologize, but the reality is it's truth. Um, there are a lot of people out there that have that distinction that aren't really good at what they do. And or to be fair to them, it may not necessarily that not good at what they do. Um, maybe they're no longer happy doing it. Maybe maybe they only want to do a certain component of it. I don't know what it is, but I will tell you that in my experience has been um, when you have, you know, for instance, and I'll turn the, for a second just up to an accountant. You have accountants that do tax preparation, then you have accountants that do. Um, you know, strategic planning and budgeting analysis and all that kind of stuff, which is what I strongly encourage all of my uh, business owners to have so that they can make good, intelligent financial decisions. It's the same thing when it comes to a lawyer, right? There's, there's lawyers that are really good at certain disciplines of the business. You know, once you've structured your business as an LLC with, you know, an S-Corp designation or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, um, that's not necessary anymore, but that's pretty straightforward. Generally speaking, uh, doesn't take a lot of analysis to figure that out, but you start moving into, uh, um, more of a, I need to build a, uh, 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 a corporate, uh, I'm sorry, not a corporate, but a, um, a legal document um, to, to, for, to develop a partnership or, you know, like I said, do, do an acquisition or something like that, or I need somebody to advise me on HR law or something like that. These are all people that, that, that they, they, if they're really good at what they do, they're going to be hard to find. Um, so sorry to break that bubble, but the reality is they're going to be hard to find. In addition to that, I would encourage you so I said, you know, I don't know, Eric, great, but I don't know what to ask. You do know what to ask. The question I'm going to challenge you with, or the piece that I would challenge you with, is you know what you need to ask because it's already bringing your brain. That's why you said I need to get a lawyer. That's why I got to call somebody and ask somebody's advice, their professional advice. So you know what you need to ask. The better question is, or better point is, are you willing to be disciplined enough in your questioning to get a good solid answer that makes sense to you and makes sense for your business? Or are you just gonna take the de facto, oh, this is what we do, this is how we do it, what, you know, whatever. I don't, you know, if you follow the logic on that. Um, but the reality is, is that um, uh, that is where I think people mess up. We yeah. have, we, again, going back to my point, we put them on such a pedestal 
you sit down with a lawyer and they're like, oh yeah, we do this, this, and this. Well, that if you don't know legalese, <laughs> you know, that's that's their canned phrase for everybody, right? Right. And now um, you know, when when the when the when the uh, lawyer is asking you questions, very specific questions about your particular scenario, that's when you know you've got a better, a better lawyer because they're asking you very specific questions about your circumstance. A lot of people are more than happy to just take the retainer and run with it. And, and uh, you know, they'll, they'll go through the, 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 they'll go through the um, steps that they need to go through. But what you really need is you need somebody who's going to get in there and they really understand your business and, and, uh, and where the gaps might be. And so when somebody approaches you like a coach, um, uh, you know, a, a lawyer would approach the situation like a coach and ask good, intelligent questions that challenge you in your thinking. That's when you know you've got a good lawyer. Yeah, I love it. Uh, that's great insight. Yeah, I, and I think honestly, the only thing I would say, uh, just to add on to it, slightly different though, is um, we talked about the importance of building a network of other business owners. You know, Absolutely, that's that's something that I would look for. Is you know, hey, I remember you know so and so. They had a similar problem in their business and i'm curious you know did they work with an attorney to solve it what was their experience like and if it was good then you know i can then get an introduction to the attorney or reach out Absolutely. to them, you know and, and follow up so i think that's that's something else that i think is important whether it's you know uh, attorney bookkeeping is you know get real experiences from people in your network and then you know follow up on the good ones right if they're bad be like mm, okay yeah it sounds like it was a, a worse situation than when you started i think i'm going to avoid that attorney versus yeah. Uh, yeah, they made exactly. it really easy you know to your point they took time to understand my specific needs they were really communicative right all those sorts of things um that's something i want to reach out to so yeah i think everything you said and you know ask around your network and you know maybe somebody hasn't had that specific experience then go through the vetting process yeah the only only caveat i had there david is it absolutely use your referral sources because that's key first and foremost i always mention that um but don't take the referral at face value yeah, true. <laughs> that, that relationship that that other person had may or may not be a fit for your business, your Very situation, true. your personality, their personality, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I, I just thought about it as we were talking, but um, um, fee structure. Hey, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not be afraid to ask right up front, what's your fee structure? And be clear, like, okay, if you know that this, like, for instance, this is, this is where you need a coach, quite honestly, or somebody to walk you through this process. And, and a lawyer is not going to do this because a lawyer, like anybody else, they're trying to make money, right? So, but yeah. if you know, all right, let's just say for the sake of argument that the particular situation you're dealing with is going to cost you, let's say if you lose the case, for instance, or whatever the case may be, it's going to cost you $25,000, Right. Let's just say you lose the case and it costs you $25,000. Just use that as a benchmark. Well, how much are you willing to pay in legal fees to have somebody defend you to make it not be $25,000? Hmm. Right? I mean, it's just simple math when you really think through it. It's not that elaborate. But if you think through it from that perspective, well, if I know worst case scenario, it's going to cost me $25,000. At what point do I draw the line from a lawyer's perspective and then cap it? Yeah. You know, I, I, I literally read that in a book. I don't remember maybe 10 years ago or something like that. The guy was talking about, you know, strategic, um, um, it was an acquisition of a business, but he was like, yeah, I tell the lawyer right up front, this is how much I'm willing to spend to acquire this business. So don't hit me with all these frivolous fees. And I'm not picking on lawyers because anybody can do this, but the reality yeah. is, you know, it's like, be, be very clear what your boundaries are because 
at the end of the day, why would you spend $25,000 to defend yourself if you're going to end up paying $25,000 anyway? Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so obviously that makes sense logically, you know, there's also an emotional component. And I know lots of times there's other considerations as well could be, you know, I don't want to admit that I did something I didn't do or, you know, whatever. I don't you know, working with lawyers can have all kinds of different uh, um, circumstances. But the reality is that's another port, a part of it that I think is really important for a business owner to consider. What does this look like? Now, I will tell you wrongful terminations, having gone down that path with different companies in the, in the past, um, you know, those can be really, really ugly situations. And the sooner you get a lawyer involved, the better because you're trying to reduce. I mean, I know of one company at one time, um, it start, it was, it was a frivolous claim, but it started at two and a half million dollars. Yeah. Eventually settled out of court for like 40 some thousand dollars. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you get a, you get a, you get a lawsuit claim for two, two and a half million dollars, a small business owner. You're like, what? The? Yeah. That'll destroy you. Right. If it's handled yeah. improperly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So cool. Well, great, uh, great insight as always. So we'll uh, we'll be back with another episode soon with more community Q and A. So if you guys have questions and and you you know are first time watching the show or you watch often or listen often, um, just connect with us on social media. You know, feel free to send us a message, uh, add a comment to you know a video or a post. Uh, connect with us on our websites. We'd love to hear your questions so we can answer them uh, through the show. So. Uh, Eric, I know uh, you've got kind of some exciting stuff coming up. I think we spotlighted it last week. I'd love to learn a little bit more this week about your upcoming live event in April. Yeah, absolutely. We're super excited. As I said uh, last time, last couple of times, um, we're able to, oh, nice. Thank you, David. Uh, we were able to put together a list of 10 different speakers. We got eight uh, categorized here, but uh, we have 10 different speakers that will be at the event. Uh, amazing opportunity to uh, help people get a better handle on their business. Um, a lot of crazy things going on. We've been talking about, uh, you know, bank issues. We've been talking about the great resignation. We've been talking about uh, um, the real estate industry and mortgage industry specifically, or more specifically, I guess. Uh, but there's a lot of crazy stuff going on and, and we want to help you position your business to be able to capitalize on the current market circumstances and so we're encouraging people to do what we call an ROI audit, return on investment audit, ensure that you're spending the appropriate amount of time on the things in your business that you should be and, and getting the results that you uh, intended to. So uh, come and hang out with us for two days and check it out and see what, um, see what you can gain from it. Awesome. Yeah. And if you guys want to learn more, we've got, uh, we'll put the link in the show notes as well. And uh, you can even pause and rewind and scan the QR code to purchase your tickets uh, online as well. So uh, appreciate you hanging out with us, Eric, as always, appreciate your insights. And uh, we invite you to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And thanks for connecting with us on the BizCoach show. Have a good one, Eric. Awesome. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Yep.